This is Pastor Cody Sturgill. I'm so thankful you're listening today. The Bible commissions us to keep our heart with all diligence. Keeping your heart is a daily work. We need to daily fill our minds with God's Word. Join me as we hear a Bible message from the pulpit of Chilhowee Baptist Church. Matthew chapter number 22, begin reading in verse number 34. Matthew 22, verse 34, and Jesus is, uh, is speaking to, actually spoken now to the third group of people. He spoke to the Herodians. The Herodians were people who were supporters of Herod, and they were Jewish people, but they were really on the political scene, and they were, uh, they were emphasizing their, their love for government and they were trying to catch Jesus in his words and prove that he was a, that he was a rebel to Rome. And they, that's where Jesus says to the Herodians, he says, uh, whose inscription's on this piece of money? He says, render to Caesar that which is Caesar's. And Jesus really uses the word of God to silence the Herodians. And then he speaks with the Sadducees. Sadducees, they didn't believe in resurrection or miracles. And they would not adhere to the fact that Jesus was the uh, virgin-born Son of God, the Christ that was promised. And Jesus deals with the Sadducees and talks to them and teaches them about the resurrection. And uh, uses the Word of God to prove His point. And now that the Pharisees, our favorite group of the Pharisees, have watched Jesus disprove and discredit the Herodians and the Sadducees, they're not smart enough to just leave him alone knowing that he's right and bow to him as Lord. They want to challenge Jesus too. And so Jesus comes and meets the Pharisees, and we find our reading tonight as he speaks with the Pharisees. The Bible says in verse 34, But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master... Which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Father, we pray you'd bless the preaching of your word. Help us to honor you. Lord, speak to our hearts. Give us the Spirit of Christ as we study and understand and live our lives for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So it looks like this. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. The Pharisees come to him. They've been listening. They've gathered a group, and they've got a spokesperson. They've picked a lawyer. And when we see this word lawyer here, this was a scribe. This was somebody who, would, uh, who had studied the law, and he was, they were well-versed in the law. And this lawyer, this scribe, uh, was going to just see if he could kind of pick apart Jesus' answer to his question. His question was this. They were tempting Jesus, and the question was, what's the great law? What's the great law? Well, there was a lot of different opinions about what the greatest law was. But Jesus, being the Word, knew the Word, and used the Word to make the point, and a great point, a point that we all need to take to heart. And Jesus answers the question, what is the great law? Commandment in the law. 
Jesus says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. He doesn't stop there. He says, And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, I want to emphasize that verse, verse number 40, and and take it as a springboard to look at the rest of the text. But the Bible says this, and Jesus speaking, the ultimate authority on the Word is the Word. And he says this, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He says, now look, all the law, all of the Mosaic law, the Word of God, and all the prophets, specifically referring to Isaiah, Jeremiah, the writings of Jeremiah and Lamentations, Ezekiel, Hosea, Daniel, the prophets. He says, look, the Word of God that you hold dear to you, the law and the prophets, all of that truth hangs on two things, two commandments. The first one is you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second, he says, is like unto it. You should love your neighbors yourself. On these two hang all the law and the commandments. That means they're very vital. When I was in college, my job uh, at Crown College, my very first job, uh, paying job in the ministry, was I was uh, over the maintenance in the dorms at Crown College. And uh, I learned so much doing that. I got a Ph.D. in toilet repair, I'm telling you. Uh, PA, you got something wrong with your toilet holler. I'll help you out. I know I'm inside and out, upside down. I got a second Ph.D. in cleaning out shower drains. And, you know, you can just imagine. You've got all these girls in girls' dorms. You can just imagine. Any of you men that have raised girls, I've not. But you can just imagine all the shower drains I cleaned out. I was so mean. I would take, I would clean out those shower drains. I'd pull those rats' nests out of those drains, and I'd hold a trash can and I'd march through the girls' dorm. You, but you girls are nasty. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you another. I got the best call I ever got working in a college dorm was, uh, "Hey, Cody, will you run over to dorm number seventeen? They say something that's gone really bad wrong with their microwave." I said, "Sure, I'll go." So I went over to dorm seventeen, knocked on the door. As soon as they opened the door, I could smell it. It was awful. It was burnt. I don't know what it was. I did Well, at that moment, I didn't know what it was, but it was burnt. And so I was still seeing. I went in the dorm, and they said, uh, they said the, the microwave, we think, is probably ruined. See what you can do. I, I went in. And I mean, the whole dorm just reeked of burnt something. And I walked in the dorm, and they said, I said, what did you do? And somebody said, so-and-so cooked ramen noodles in the microwave without water. I took special note. Not for me. (laughs) Not going to marry her. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. 
Not very smart. Another call I got a lot was, and you won't believe this, in the girls' dorms, Cody, will you go fix a closet? The closet fell down. And often I would go and fix closets. You can just imagine, you got like, in some rooms, some dorm rooms, you had up to six ladies in a room, and they shared a pretty large closet, but six ladies and their things in a pretty large closet. Those closets are designed to hold quite a bit, but not that much. And so often I would get the call, would you go fix the closet? And I found out along the way there were a number of good ways to support the closet. And I would have to find the studs when they built these dorms. They just uh, they threw up the closets and they looked real good, but they would actually put the uh, they'd actually put some of the hangers and the joists just in sheetrock anchors, and they were not designed to hold all that those ladies would wear and all they had hanging in their closets. And so I bought a stud finder, and I learned pretty fast how to make a closet hold up. And I found out the key to making a closet hold up is I had to anchor it, and it had to hang from something that was substantial and something that was strong and something that was sure. So, I mean, I would, I would find the stud. I would put a long, deep screw in it. I'd anchor it with angle iron and anything I could find that would make it strong because what was most important to that closet... What was most important in that closet, and it staying standing, and it doing its job, and it functioning, and it keeping the clothes off the ground and out of the dirt and not wrinkled, in order for it to function as a closet, the closet had to hang on something that was substantial. Now, Jesus is looking at these uh, Pharisees, and the Pharisees, they believed the Old Testament. Uh, in order to be a Pharisee, what I understand, what people tell me, is that you had to take to memory and put to memory the Pentateuch. Imagine this. You memorize Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They had to put to memory the Pentateuch. They memorized large sections of the Psalms. And they studied these commandments. They became well-versed in all of the commands of the, law, of the law. Do you know how many commands there were in the law? 613. 613 don'ts primarily and some do's. And they worked on these things and they studied them. And the Pharisees by this time, hundreds and hundreds of years have progressed since Moses gave the law. You go through 400 years, the silent ages between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And when we get to the New Testament era that we're talking about today, the Pharisees had been debating and fussing and fighting and criticizing one another and trying to interpret for themselves the law and the prophets for hundreds of years. They had, they had divided themselves into certain sects and certain groups and this group believed that and this group believed that and this group believed something way off base and there was a couple of groups that were pretty close to the truth. But you have this, these different groups of Pharisees and they all said they believed the law and the prophets. But as you see Jesus Christ walk on the scene... And in his earthly ministry, teach and preach and do miracles in front of these Pharisees, so-called so Bible believers. 
You can't help but see when Jesus, the fulfillment of their law and their prophets, walks on the scene, they've become so blinded by their own agenda, blinded by their own preconceived ideas, that when Jesus walks right in front of them, they can't identify him. When God's perfect will speaks to them audibly, they can't understand it. As a matter of fact, when Jesus preaches to them and teaches them and in love and compassion compels them to confess their sins, to repent and turn and put their faith in the Messiah, when Jesus himself compels them to trust him, do you know what they do? They get angry. They turn against him. Why? They were so hung up on their interpretation of the law and the prophets that they couldn't see Jesus when he came on the scene. They'd become so argumentative and ill-tempered and mean-spirited over their position that they'd left the most important things, the things that all the law and the prophets hung on, the only thing, the thing that made it function, the thing that made it work, the thing that made it bless people, the thing that made it change people's lives, the things that made it important, the things that made it effective, they'd left it out. Folks, I want you to know something. There's a lot of churches and there's a lot of preachers And I've got my problems, and I'm not trying to criticize anybody else, but I don't want to have the spirit of the Pharisees. And I don't want our church to have the spirit of the Pharisees because I want you to know something. I can stand here and I can scream at the top of my lungs and preach this and preach that and give you my opinions, but my opinions and my preaching, it does not function if I do not hang it properly on the spirit of of the scriptures and the spirit of Christ. Thank you for listening to Keep Thy Heart Daily. Keep Thy Heart Daily is a ministry of Chilhowee Baptist Church in Chilhowee, Virginia. To learn more about the ministries of Chilhowee Baptist Church, check us out at chilhoweebaptistchurch.com. If you'd like to financially support Keep Thy Heart Daily, please send your gift to Chilhowee Baptist Church P.O. Box 838, Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319.